0: Thanks so much, Sandra. We're continuing this series in Ecclesiastes. Under the general title, It's a Beautiful Life. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you'll still our hearts. And as we come from all the busyness of this last week, Preparing for the coming week, all the things that are going on in our lives, the things that occupy our minds, the things that concern us. Father, that as Kim reminded us at the beginning, Father, we pray that we might at this point, at this time on Sunday morning, and as we come to your word, Father, that you would help us to center our lives find their true center and their true meaning and true purpose and their true security as you speak to us through your word, by your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been given the greatest treasure, the most amazing treasure. Every single one of you. And that treasure is your life. I don't mean life in the abstract or life in general. I, just, I don't mean the fact that you can breathe and walk around. I mean more than that. The great treasure that you have been given is your life and everything that goes to make up who you are and all that your life's about. So not just your biology, but also your circumstances and your character. It is the greatest treasure that you've been given. Some of you don't think that, do you? You find your life is a burden. You find that the circumstances that you're going through at the moment may feel as if it's almost impossible for you to bear them. You may be facing tragedy and disappointment. There may be financial issues in your life. There may be relational issues in your life. There may be health issues. So you're saying this morning, Really, I don't think of my life as a treasure. Some of you may be thinking, I wish I had a different kind of life if only I could go back to what my life was or if only I could be like somebody else, if only I could be given a different set of circumstances that make up my life. In fact, some of you may even be saying, I don't like myself. I wish I wasn't me. But the reality is, your life is a gift and it is a treasure that you have been given. It's not perfect, nobody has been given a perfect life. The life that we've been given to live is life that's lived out, as the writer to Ecclesiastes puts it, under the sun. And that means nobody, nobody ever experiences the perfect human life. Nobody. Life at best is a mixed bag. For some people, they will go through life and there's lots to enjoy and celebrate. And The the writer to Ecclesiastes says, if God gives you that, that's a gift, enjoy it. But even for people who do experience some of the great things of life, you'll experience other things as well. And even when you're going through those times when your career is on a high, family life is great, your relationships are good, everything seems to be going your way and you're saying, I love my life. Even in that, there'll be moments where you think that's not quite perfect, is it? And then, on the other hand, there are people who go through life and their life seems to be one tragedy after another. One despair followed by another. The life that you have been given is not perfect, you've been given life to live under the sun. And by the way, that's the life that Jesus lived. Jesus did not experience the perfect life in the sense that he went through life and everything was wonderful and marvelous and fantastic. He experienced life under the sun. So if you and I look to get our maximum happiness and fulfillment in life under the sun, Will be disappointed at best and at worst it will destroy us because perfection of happiness and meaning and purpose is not to be found in life under the sun. Instead, If you want to understand that your life is a great treasure, you need to look at the person who gave it to you because it's God. The writer to Ecclesiastes says God gave you your life. He made everything wonderful in its time. The giver of your life, your life, is the great giver. It's God himself. And the wonder of your life is measured by the wonder of the person who gave it to you. And he didn't give you your life so that he could watch from up there and look down and see you struggling and see you going through moments of despair. He gave you your life so that in this experience of life under the sun... The so mixed, so full of joy and yet tragedy and despair and all those other things. He gave you your life so that every single one of you would catch a glimpse in what you experience and what you see in life under the sun, shattered as that image will be, that you will get a glimpse of what God intends for you which is life beyond life under the sun or to put it in New Testament terms resurrection new creation the full flourishing of what it means to be a human being that's why you've been given life So that you may begin to glimpse that in this life and that you may then embrace it and then experience it. That's why your life is the greatest treasure. Think of it like this. You have a seed. And you bury it deep in the earth, in the cold, damp earth. And you cover it up. And then something happens over the weeks, over the months that follow, unseen there in the cold, damp earth, life breaks out and reaches to the surface and comes into the light and then the plant begins to flourish and blossom the flowers come out and you see what started off as an insignificant seed buried where no one could see it in the dark and the cold and the damp. And you see it in all its wonder and all its splendor and it's a little bit like that with our life. We are made for more than life under the sun. We are made for that full flourishing of what it means to be a human being. We are made for life beyond, life under the sun. That's why your life is a beautiful life. That's why it's a treasure. That's why it's a gift. And that's why we need to take really seriously the fifth lesson from Ecclesiastes. We're looking at life lessons from Ecclesiastes. Here's the fifth one. It's really, really easy to waste this treasure. To waste your life. It's really, really easy to waste your life and then miss out on life beyond life under the sun. In fact, it's easier It is easier to waste your life tonight than to actually embrace what God has for you and then experience life beyond life under the sun. Let me tell you why. Because Solomon tells us it's really easy. This figure of King Solomon looms in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's this extraordinary, greater than life, bigger than life figure, And Solomon tells us in chapter 2 that he devoted his life to pursuing the very best that life under the sun could offer. He pursued success and he was successful. He pursued power and he was successful. He pursued creativity and he was successful. He pursued achievements and he pursued love and he pursued relationships and he pursued happiness. He pursued all the very best that's to be found in life under the sun. And when he gets to the end of it, he says, I wasted my life. I wasted my life. It's really easy, really easy to waste your life. If Solomon could get to the end, of all of that, having experienced all he experienced and say it's really easy to waste your life, I think we should take notice of that. But if Solomon isn't enough, listen to the words of Jesus. He says you can think of life as two roads with two gates. And one road has a wide gate and it's a wide road that leads from it and people are streaming through the gates and heading down the road and on the other one there's a narrow gate and there aren't very many people on that road. And he says of the wide road and the wide gate, it's a road that leads to destruction. It's really, really easy to waste your life. And so the question that the writer to Ecclesiastes poses to us this morning, in effect, is this. Are you sure, are you sure that you're not wasting your life? Are you sure you're not wasting your life? And how would you know? How would you know See, I don't think most people set out to waste their life. I really don't. I, I know we all have this destructive streak in us. We were driving past the Big Mac place, the McDonald's. And we know that McDonald's is bad for us. I'm really sorry. We know that junk food isn't good. But we just... Do the maths, don't we? Present pleasure, maybe a few weeks less in an old people's home. I'll go for the big Mac. (laughs) We all do that kind of thing. All of us have that self-destructive streak, if I can put it like that, or perhaps better. We do the probabilities. (laughs) We weigh things up. And it's true that some people's behavior and attitude towards their life is incredibly self-destructive. That is true. But most of us are the opposite, aren't we? We want to do the best out of life. We want to get the best out of life. We don't want to waste the opportunities. So how do you know if you're wasting your life or not. How do you know? I mean, after all, if your career is a success and you've moved into the house of your dreams and you're financially secure, why would you think that it's possible that you might be wasting your life? How is it possible to think that? And, and who's going to tell you that it's possible, for example... To be pursuing your career and be successful. To be a successful accountant or doctor or just successful at whatever you're doing. To have a great family. To be working as a teacher. To be working in any kind of capacity. To be experiencing anything. Even to be a minister of the gospel. Even in full-time ministry and still be wasting your life. Who's going to tell you that? Because after all, most of us are brought up by our parents to say, aim for a good education, aim for happiness, devote yourself to pursuing those things, and they model that to us. So if we achieve some measure of success in those areas, how could we possibly feel anything other than, I think my life's going pretty well. And we look at everybody else, and they seem to be doing the same thing and pursuing the same things, And they look at our life maybe and say, wow, what a blessed life you've got. You've got a great family. You've got wonderful friends. You've got a happy life. You're living an affluent life. Your career is on the upward trajectory. Who's going to tell us that you can have all those things and still be wasting your life? Are we going to do it? We would be very foolish to imagine that we will. You see, we will tell ourselves more often than not, my life's going well. My life's going well because things are good and I feel good about it. And the writer to Ecclesiastes wants us to realize you can achieve all those things and be wasting your life. What's the issue? What's the issue? Why do people waste their life? And the reality is they don't know they are. That's the problem. They don't know they are. As I say, most people don't set out on their life's journey and say, I'm going to waste my life. What do we need to understand then from the writer to Ecclesiastes? Well, it's this, that if you chase after these things, the things of this life, as if they will give you what you're looking for, you will waste your life. See, the problem is, what we're trying to do is achieve, if I can put it like this, heaven on earth, To imagine that there's something approximates to what's good and the perfect life and the best life if we pursue the good things in life under the sun. And they are good things. There's nothing wrong with affluence. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with having a great family life and friends and career, all those things. But if we imagine that by pursuing those things we will end up With something like the full flourishing of our life. As near as possible we can get to heaven on earth. It doesn't matter how successful you are. How many dreams have been fulfilled. You are wasting your life. That's the lesson of the writer to Ecclesiastes. It's really easy to waste your life. And why are you wasting your life? Because you're chasing after the wind, that's why. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Nothing lasts. Chapter 5 and verse 15. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb and as everyone comes so they depart. They take nothing from their toil and they carry in their hands that they carry in their hands. This too is a miserable outcome. (laughs) Life's unpredictable, as we've already seen, isn't it? It's there at the beginning of chapter 6. I've seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire, but they never get to, to enjoy them. Can you imagine that? You spent your life building up your career and your portfolio. And you're looking forward to the day when you retire at 43. Up the coast, sitting on your veranda, watching the sun go down and sipping your sparkling Shiraz. And you never make it. I was asked to take a funeral Some years ago, I didn't know the man and I went to the house and his, well she wasn't his wife because the marriage had broken down and he was living with his lover. And it was a big house and as I asked some questions about the man who died, he was in his 40s, he was really successful. He done incredibly well. He got this big house. And his partner said to me, she said, you know, the great love of his life was golf. I don't understand that, but some of you do. And this was his dream house, not just because it was a great house, but because he could walk down the garden and through a little gate and straight onto the golf course. They'd been in a few weeks. He walked out one morning and dropped dead. Life's unpredictable. And if you're chasing after fulfillment and the full blossoming of all that God has for your life, in these things of life under the sun, you're chasing the wind. It's an illusion. And that's a wasted life. And nothing's ever enough, is it? Have you ever had that experience? There's that wonderful song, isn't there? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? It's a great song. Google it. She comes to the point where she, towards the climax of the song, and she says, having been to the circus, first of all, and she's really excited, and she gets there and she says, Is that all there is? And it ends up where she has her first kiss and then she falls in love and she says, is that all there is? If that's all there is, let's just keep on dancing because that's all there is. Nothing's ever enough, is it? Not really. So even if we attain all our dreams and we never do, but were we to do that, It would never be enough. Chapter 5, verse 10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. But it's not just money. It's anything about life under the sun. Chapter 6, verse 7, everyone's toil is for their mouth and yet their appetite is never satisfied. What's the problem here? The problem is that we're made for more than life under the sun. It's not that those things are bad things. It's not that they're not gifts to be enjoyed as we can experience them to the extent that we can. It's just that we are made for more than that. And if we substitute life under the sun for life beyond life under the sun, then however much you've attained, you've wasted your life. And you know, it uh, drains the life from us when we do this. If you chase after an illusion, you get swamped by the illusion, consumed by it, and it actually diminishes us. Jesus famously said, what will it profit somebody if they gain the whole world? If they're like Solomon, you could say, achieve everything, but lose their own soul If you chase after life under the sun as if it's ultimate, you will, to use the words of Jesus, lose your soul, lose yourself. You will not experience that full flourishing that God wants for you, for your life, the reason why he gave you life in the first place. It drains the life out of us. And in the end, it will hurt other people. It will hurt other people. There's a section in chapter 5, verse 8, which talks about injustice. And okay, it's set in an ancient Near Eastern context. But the drift of it in those verses from eight to 11 is this. If you pursue your own interests, trying to pursue achieving life under the sun as the place where you get your fulfillment, whether it's in money or relationships or whatever it is, you will end up hurting other people. And there's a really, really sad picture that the writer gives in Ecclesiastes 4, he says, let me put it like this. He says, let me tell you about this man or woman. They're working really hard to build up their portfolio and advance their career. And it's really hard work. And it means devoting lots and lots of hours of their time to doing that, to achieve that. And somewhere along the line, this guy stops and he says, why am I doing this? Because there's nobody. There's nobody. There's nobody I can leave it to. There's nobody around me. I have become a lonely workaholic. Over the years, I've come across a number of people who, in one way or another, have said to me, you know, I thought I was doing the best for my family. That's what I told myself when I spent all those long hours at work. And, of course, I was under pressure to do that, because in some work, they'll take anything that they can and demand more. But I told myself I was doing it for the benefit of my family, for my wife, for my husband or whatever. And do you know, I wrecked my family because of that. I wrecked my social life because of that. In the end, we'll end up hurting other people. If you want an example of a wasted life... By the way, I'm almost finished. Uh, Because this is part one of a two-part sermon. So as I sometimes say to people, so I'm going to say it again, you need to live very carefully this week. (laughs) Because just think if you were foolish in crossing the road and got run over by a truck and so didn't make this next week... You wouldn't have got the full answer. (gasps) That could be disastrous. So live really carefully this week. Don't drink too many coffees. If you want an example of a wasted life, Jesus has an example. It's in Luke chapter 12. You don't need to turn to it. It's the story of a really, really successful guy. And in the context, everybody is saying, Wow! That's fantastic. his, His work has been incredibly successful. His business has broken all records. And so he's amassed enough money to be able to retire. I don't know, in his 30s. And so he looks at all this money that he's made and he says, I have more than enough. If I steward this carefully, I never need work. Again, and I can do all those things I really, really want to do. Wow, wouldn't you love that? Come on, we'd all love that, wouldn't we? There are aspects about that that are good to be able to enjoy life, to have enough resources to be able to experience some of the good things in life under the sun. Of course we would. The end of the story, God delivers his verdict on this man's life, which is, you fool. Everybody is telling this man that he's had a successful life, that he's the very opposite of having wasted his life. He doesn't think he's wasted his life. But God says, you've wasted your life because you missed out on what was really important You see, life is about more than achieving everything that life under the sun can give. You are made for more than life under the sun. And if you seek to find the ultimate for your life in the things of life under the sun, then you waste your life. You're a fool. So what should we do about it? Next week I'm going to finish this off, so, sorry. I'm going to finish this off next week, so come back next week. I just want to leave you with one thing this morning. And it's this. Take a really good look at your life. Kim reminded us that the book of Ecclesiastes is about a reality check. It's the biblical equivalent of the cold shower in the morning that is good for us, I understand, but not necessarily pleasurable, not first choice as you're nice and warm under the duvet. Take a really good, hard look at your life stop and ask the question in fact do whatever it takes to check your life and ask yourself the question am I wasting my life you flick over to chapter 7 um, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 Which you can find on page 666, 667. I want you to look at verse 2. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't care what you have to do and how painful it is. It is more important that you're realistic about life than you live with your illusions. Go and contemplate death if you have to. Go to a crematorium. Go and wander around the cemeteries. But whatever you do, take a good hard look at your life and ask yourself a question. Am I wasting my life or not? Live well till next week. But let me remind you of where we started. You have been given the most amazing treasure. What God wants for you the reason he gave you your life is that through this experience of life under the sun, you would come to experience life beyond life under the sun. And if you miss out on life beyond life under the sun, nothing else will ever compensate for that. And God's verdict on your life and mine would be you've wasted your life. You've squandered the treasure. Let's pray. Father, you tell us into all kinds of places that you have such good things for us. That's why you've given us life. The life you have given us comes out of your love and although we live this life in life under the sun with all its complexities and tragedies and disappointments, the reason you've given life to us, our life, is so that we might know the beauty and the wonder and the flourishing of our life in life beyond life under the sun. Keep us asking the questions. Father, please keep prompting us by your spirit that we may be able to look back on our lives and not just be able to say, I didn't waste my life, but hear from you your verdict. You didn't waste your life. You didn't squander the treasure I gave to you. Welcome. In Jesus' name we pray.